the world we know is changing. I'm Moira Gunn, and welcome to Biotech Nation. Well over 100,000 people each year check into emergency rooms with alcohol-associated hepatitis. It's not surprising that during the pandemic, this number jumped. There is no approved treatment, and frankly, the prognosis is grim. Dr. Jim Brown is the president and CEO of Direct. When I spoke with him, Direct's potential treatment for this condition had just entered its Phase 2B clinical trial. And now, Dr. Jim Brown. It's a big problem. And unfortunately, during the pandemic, we've seen an increase in the United States of alcohol consumption uh, that's about 30%. And this has been associated with, as well, um, hospitalizations due to alcohol have increased by about 50%. And the most common reason for this is uh, a disease called alcohol-associated hepatitis. Mostly when I think of hepatitis, I think of hepatitis C or hepatitis B. You've got a virus. You've got... This is entirely caused by drinking alcohol? It is. It's an inflammatory process. Actually, it's much more than that, a very involved process. But it's an acute assault on your liver that's brought on most typically by binge drinking. And, uh, and the patients present with, uh, with fever. They have yellowing of the whites of their eyes, known as jaundice. They're tired. They'll often have nausea and vomiting. And they always have a history of recent heavy alcohol consumption or uh, binge drinking. Is there a particular age group that's, that's targeted here? You know, it's, it's interesting. There are about 130,000 hospitalizations per year for, uh, for alcohol-associated hepatitis, which we abbreviate as AH in the United States. And about half those people are between the ages of 40 to 60. Many of them will have cirrhosis. But it's really interesting, and this population is on the rise. There are more than 20% are younger people. There are people in their 20s and 30s. They don't have cirrhosis. But there is just more of a culture out there in uh, in the millennial generation of going out and drinking on Wednesdays and Thursday nights, and it, it can add up to some people in some circumstances. Is there a standard of care for this? Is there a way to deal with this once they're in the hospital? Unfortunately, there really isn't, and, and it's a deadly disease. The mortality of patients with AH is 26% at one month, and it's about 30% at three months. And there is no approved therapy today. They will use abstinence, of course. Standard of care will be supportive care. Sometimes they'll use steroids, but they've been shown not to improve survival. And in fact, unfortunately, the treatment for AH has not improved uh, since the 1970s. In, in the last 50 years, there's been no change in the survival of these patients. Now, from Durex's perspective, what actually goes wrong in the body? You know, we've all heard about DNA. You know, it's the molecule in the nucleus of all the cells in your body. It's effectively the blueprint of your body. You inherit the DNA from your mother and your father. You have the same blueprint in every cell in your body, but think about all the different cell tissues that you have. You know, you've got hair, skin, muscle, bone. And that's because the epigenome allows for this DNA blueprint to be read. But if you look in the nucleus of a cell, only about 5% of what's in there is the DNA. The other 95% is the epigenome, which is effectively the brains of the operation that allows those genes to be expressed. Back when I was in school, we were taught that the, uh, the structures inside the nuclear cells were called histones, and they were there for structural basis. And now we know they're actually way more than that. They are 
driving the reading of the blueprint, as it were. They, they're not just holding up the roof? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. And in fact, with a disease like AH and with many other diseases, you get dysregulation of this epigenome. And so you have certain genes turned on and turned off, and, and then you can move the cell towards, unfortunately, disease states can move the cells towards death and, uh, and uh, it, you know, the outcomes that you get with a disease like AH. So when you say dysregulation, you mean normally the, the 95%, the, the epigenome there is operating on the 5% DNA. Everything's working out great. But when there's a problem, it starts going awry. It's either not working or it's doing things it shouldn't do. And that's called dysregulation. That's absolutely right. And we, until now, have known very little about it. We do use um, medicine that changes the epigenome in the field of oncology to kill cancer cells. What you do there is you go in and you disrupt the epigenome and the cells will die. But with uh, what we're doing at Direct, we have an opportunity to actually repair the epigenome, to bring it back more towards normal. And that has allowed for a, a greater understanding of, uh, of this component of biology and medicine. It's fascinating. I'm assuming with alcoholic hepatitis that your liver isn't working anymore. So we're talking about this dysregulation inside liver cells. So uh, when this goes awry, we're talking about liver cells that aren't functioning anymore. And then I guess your liver isn't functioning anymore? That's absolutely true. And it starts with the liver and then unfortunately goes to other organs. But just you know, to focus on the liver cells themselves right now, the literature has... Uh, told us that what happens in these AH patients is the epigenome becomes dysregulated and uh, through a process called hypermethylation. It's very specific. We don't have to get into that. But the reality of it is these major pathways in these cells are shut down. And so a lot of genes are turned off that shouldn't be and genes are turned on that shouldn't be. And you end up going down the process of cell death and dysregulation, which not only damages the liver, but eventually extends to the kidneys and the lungs as well and get multi-organ damage. Now, I know at Direct, you're working and have been working for some time with a molecule called DUR928. What is that? What does it do? How does it relate to AH? Yes, DUR928, it's a naturally occurring regulatory molecule that's found in all of us, actually. In fact, we've looked at it in... uh, in many different species of mammals, from uh, things as small as mice and hamsters, all the way up to monkeys, dogs, pigs, and humans. And we all have the same concentration in our body. It's fascinating in that it is made in association with the mitochondria. It travels to the nucleus, and it helps maintain homeostasis, as it were, of the epigenome and cellular function, not of the liver, not only of the liver, but of many, many other cells. So what we've been able to do with the OR928 is show in a number of cell culture models and a number of, uh, of other models that it's able to restore function of the cells. And we've also now been able to use it in AH patients and show that it improves the function of uh, these patients as well. Now, you've gone through phase one. We know it's safe for humans. And you did a 2A, that initial study, and according to my notes, 19 patients, just to try to see what happened. What what was that study about? What did you do with those 19 patients? Well, first off, as you know, we've been talking about AH is a horrible disease. 26% of AH patients die within a month and 30% die within three months. In our first study, as you talked about, we had 19 patients. 
and they all lived over that 28-day study. And I think what's equally as impressive as that is 14 of these 19 patients left the hospital within three days of their first dose and their only dose of 928. So that speaks to some of the epigenomic component of this. We're restoring the function of the epigenome of the nucleus of these cells, just a single intervention in 14 or 19 patients. And if you think about it, most of the time, those patients would be in the hospital for weeks, and unfortunately, a third of them would never go home. And in this case, 14 to 19 walked home before day four. So what's your next, phase 2B, I guess, would be the next one. What are you doing there? It's a trial in 300 patients um, with severe AH. We're testing two different doses of 928, and we're also testing against uh, the standard of care, which is you know supportive care of these patients, 100 patients per group. And the endpoint of this trial will be survival at 90 days. Now, no one signs up for this trial in advance. No one, no one says, I'm going to go on <laughs> no. a binge, but I want to get all the paperwork out of the way. Um, and yet these are extremely sick patients. How do they, how do you find them? And how do they, how are they able to give their consent to this uh, entry? Uh, that's a really good point. You know, we have explored the potential of DOR and in a number of acute diseases, things like sepsis or acute kidney disease, and we can talk more about these later. But the reason we selected AH for our first indication is because unlike a a stroke, for example, where if uh, I had a stroke and I had a twin brother who had a stroke and there was a 12-hour delay between myself getting in there and my brother got in there 12 hours earlier, he's going to have a better outcome just because of supportive care. So you you have a lot of patient variability in, in stroke trials and sepsis trials and kidney trials. And you see these with, with you know, very difficult uh, paths to approval for drugs in these areas. With AH, the disease is a very insidious disease. And, and the people die over a month or two months or three months, but it's a very slow process. So that's the, uh, the circumstance that is different with AH. It's a slow, insidious process that if one can intervene, potentially one can make a difference and save someone's life. Now, what other diseases or conditions are caused by these kind of problems with the epigenome that might be helped with DUR-928? Yes. The diseases we're looking at and where we have tested this in various models and shown that it helps is in, in diseases like acute kidney injury or in diseases like sepsis, where you have endotoxin, you know, super high amounts of endotoxin, or things like overdose of, of Tylenol or acute pancreatitis. These are all cases where 928 has been shown to work. In some of these cases, we don't know yet whether there's hypermethylation. So this is a case where the drug is maybe leading the, uh, the, the way forward in the, in the path for under, better understanding of the disease. It's, it's kind of a hand-in-glove thing. We, we understand in some cases there's hypermethylation. We can move in with DOR-928 and help treat the epigenome. In other cases, we know DOR-928 helps in this at least in this animal model, should be able to help in humans. And then we'll go in there and then find out whether or not there is hypermethylation. I think this is fascinating. Usually we think there's a condition. Let's give the person the drug. Let's see if it cures what it is you're saying. Sometimes just giving the drug gives us information about how the whole system works. Absolutely. Yeah, this is a, this is a very different uh, uh way of thinking about medicine. Uh, you know, I was raised and, 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 and went through school during a time when, when drugs were much simpler. You would simply have a drug like a, like a statin, for example, that, that inhibits one of the enzymes in making cholesterol. So if you have high cholesterol, you give this drug, it reduces 
the production of you know of, of cholesterol at that one point, but you get buildup of of you know predecessor molecules, and you get side effects and all the rest of these kind of things. With DUR nine two eight, we're changing the whole set point uh, of a cell, and uh, because of that, which is another fascinating thing about this. We've really not seen much at all in the way of side effects with this drug in the most seriously ill patients one can think of. And uh, and that's been fascinating. It's been a very safe drug to use. Now, very interesting for me is that you're a doctor of veterinary medicine, not an MD, not a PhD in microbiology or all the normal folks that walk through my door here. Um, why is a background in veterinary medicine a good thing here? I think it's, for me, it's worked out really well, obviously, but I've, I've, it's been a great career and I've really enjoyed it. I, I still have my license to practice veterinary medicine here in California and I enjoy doing that. But the reality of it is it gives me, I think, really good insight because I, I can look at animal models of certain disease states and, uh, and look and see how it might apply to human medicine. And, uh, and we're all, you know, we like to think of ourselves in such a different way as, as humans, but we're all animals, right? Humans are, are, you know, five to six foot primates typically walking around, uh, you know, and with veterinary medicine, to get the great opportunity to be able to understand the, the physiology and, and disease circumstances uh, of primates, but also of, you know, horses and ruminants and uh, dolphins and all the different kinds of species that are out there. So it's a, it's a, it's a great multiple, uh, you know, approach to, uh, to disease. But, yeah. Well, I really appreciate you coming in, Jim. I hope you'll come back and see us again. Oh, thank you so much, Moira. I really appreciate the opportunity, and I look forward to it uh, anytime. Direct's Phase 2B clinical trial is now complete with what Dr. Brown describes as compelling results. They anticipate having their end-of-Phase 2 meeting with the FDA shortly and to begin discussions on the design for the Phase 3 trial. Dr. Jim Brown is the president and CEO of Direct. More information is available at direct.com. That's D-U-R-E-C-T, direct.com. Listen to more biotech podcasts at biotechnation.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Biotech Nation is a regular feature of the weekly public radio program, Tech Nation. Listen to the full show via podcast or on your local public radio station. For Biotech Nation, I'm Moira Gunn.